You're listening to Irish Radio Canada's Home Abroad, and it's probably it's two or three years ago since we had a chance to have a chat with Fergus Keyes in Montreal about the park that is going to be developed at the Victoria Bridge in the Black Ro- at the, where the Black Rock is in Montreal. And I know COVID probably would have caused some degree of disruption in the timelines, but um, rather than me try to give a recap i'll throw it straight over to fergus fergus thanks a million for taking the time and just to put things in context before we get into the update um the black rock it's a little bit of history on the black rock and where it's located and the plan that's in place yeah well it's nice to see you again austin speak to you um yeah so the first 10 years of the project was basically bringing back history that had been forgotten and that history was basically in 1847, mostly 1847, a little 1848. About 70,000 Irish arrived in uh, Montreal, fleeing the Great Hunger. Many of them were carrying typhus and uh, some level of malnutrition. So over that summer of 1847 that they call Calcutta summer, apparently it was super, super hot. Uh, more than 6,000 of these Irish died and were buried. If people know Montreal, right on the Montreal side of the Victoria Bridge. Um, and Fergus, but, did, the, did the Victoria Bridge exist at that time? No, it didn't actually. That was 1847. The bridge okay. was built in 1859, which was 12 years later. And what happened there is as the workers of the bridge, most of whom happened to be Irish, actually, uh, discovered some of the remains of the victims from 12 years before, they decided that they had to have a monument of some type. So they took all the remains that they found, buried them in one place, took a big rock out of the St. Lawrence River, many tons, and placed it on top of where they had uh, done the burial saying that that rock should stay as long as the water flows and grass grows. So um, that became the black rock. It might not have been black originally. It might have been a river stone, but in the area it sits, a lot of car traffic and train traffic passes right by it. So over 170 years, it turned a very unique color black. Originally called the Irish commemorative stone, it's now referred to almost exclusively as the black rock. And so, Fergus, again, I think it's very appropriate to point out when you say it was only a 12-year time span between uh, when work started on the bridge and when this was an active burial area. So many of the remains uh, would have been, um, and I use the term, that would have been fresh insofar as relatively fresh. Yeah, I guess there's a couple of things involved there. First of all, uh, it is possible, and we're not saying it happened, but it is possible with only a 12 year span that some of the survivors of 1847 may actually have been working on the bridge at that time. Right. Uh, in 1847, they had built about, some people say 21, some say 23 fever sheds, big sheds, 50 feet long and uh, 50 feet wide, 100 feet long. And the workers of the Victoria Bridge, some of them actually lived in those uh, famine shacks while they were doing the building. So there was a big connection between them. 
Um, and like I say, they really wanted some kind of memorial. The Black Rock actually became probably the first memorial to the famine anywhere in the world, including in Ireland. And uh, it, it really is, in addition to being a monument, it's also a tombstone because it sits on top of of, of the graves. So for the first 10 years of the project, we had to bring this history back because it had been forgotten. Uh, determine what we want to do, which is to build a large memorial park in the area. And then, of course, get support for this effort. All of that has pretty well reached that point now. We have some great partners, Hydro-Quebec and uh, Ville de Montréal, City of Montreal. And um, we're moving along quite nicely. Um, I would think probably the most interesting thing that happened, many interesting things have happened, but one of the most interesting things that happened since our last conversation is that they're also building in Montreal something called the REM, which is a light transit rail system through the city. And at some point, as they were running their line, uh, it's above ground, so they have to put uh, pillars they came to uh they came to us and they said, "Listen, we think one of our pillars is probably going to touch on the gravesite, um, but we're going to bring archaeologists on and we're going to have archaeologists there the whole time, etc." And they did. They they the pillar represents what we consider probably less than one percent of the total cemetery space, and within that one percent of that cemetery space. Uh, they discovered the remains of 14 more victims of 1847. They took these uh, remains and sent them to a laboratory who came back and gave us a full report on all 14. Some were men, some women, some teenagers, and some one baby and a couple of very small children. And they were able to determine the approximate age, the gender, the cause of death, and a few other Things uh, they could tell, for example, that one of the remains was probably a young man about 15 years old who had suffered from something very serious, some leg uh, problem, hip or knee, and probably had never walked properly in his whole life. And they could tell that he used a crutch his whole life because of the way the bone structure was. So it was it was absolutely fascinating. Now those remains have now been sent to a second laboratory. Uh, in uh, University of Trois-Rivières, and they're uh, now looking in for the DNA. Now they're checking for DNA, which we think will be fantastic. If we get the DNA of these remains and then spread them around the world, there is possibility, of course, that we'll find descendants of these uh, of these individuals. So it, it actually puts a face on, on you know, because the problem is, if you say 6,000 plus, it becomes a statistic. Mm-hmm. But when you have 14 that you can identify, then they're people. They're just like you and me. They're people who met a very unfortunate end after leaving Ireland and traveling across the Atlantic up to St. Lawrence, only to die in Montreal. I Probably know. I, I, yeah. And Ferris, I know when we chatted last, you had mentioned that that discovery had happened and I know we've when we were wrapping up I had said I hoped that this was being documented and you advised me that yes the uh, film documentary is underway mm-hmm. which will be powerful uh, so that is that is also uh, a wonderful capturing of the progress and the history um, so um, 
So when we chatted last, well, that you, you mentioned Hydro-Quebec and Ville de Montréal are very much partners of this. So the road, I, I recall, is going to be um, rerouted in order to facilitate uh, that a park will no longer, you won't have to run across the road and take your life in your hands to get to the memorial in the future. Yeah, that's it exactly. Uh, if people aren't familiar with it, this Black Rock sits after, for Expo 67, way back, they rerouted the road so that one, going in one direction toward the South Shore runs on one side of Black Rock and coming from the South Shore into Montreal runs on the other side. So it's like it encircles the rock. But the city of Montreal has made a written commitment that they will relocate that road and take it off of the top of the cemetery, which is a very big and expensive project, and we're, we're grateful to the city for doing that, because, of course, there's no point in building a new memorial space and having a road running through the middle of it. So, uh, yeah, so that's a, a step, uh, a very important step. So uh, through the last three years, uh, because of COVID, did that put the brakes on progress in any way, or was work able to proceed? No, uh, everything kind of proceeded. It was a little bit slower. The laboratory took a little bit longer. They weren't allowed to work there for a while. The DNA has backed up, but uh, we're hoping to get that uh, before too long. As far as the planning and the uh, other discussions, no, they carried on, of course, using Zoom and electronic media. We haven't actually met in a room with uh, Hydro in the city of Montreal for a couple of years now. We do it all by... uh, Teams or Zoom. Um, but it didn't really stop it very much. But we've reached now the point, I should probably also add that in addition to these 6,000, uh, victims, one of our other big and equal objective is to remember the many Montrealers who represented every language, every religion, every heritage, every culture, and went aside help and comfort to these sick and dying Irish. And many of these caregivers gave up their own life, including the Mirror Montreal at the time, John Mills, and Seven Grey Nuns, and some Sisters of Providence, and some Catholic priests, and Anglican priests, and British soldiers, etc. And the First Nations was involved in uh, raising some money and delivering some food, probably in September of uh, 1847. So everybody was involved in helping them. So we're in that position where we're saying it's a very Irish project because, of course, the victims were all Irish, mostly mm-hmm. Catholic. But it's also a big Montreal, Quebec, Canada, North American project because so many of our ancestors came through through Montreal and continued on to the west or south. Um, so where we stand now is that we've reached a point that we're really getting ready to uh, make a proper design of the park. Using some business consultants, uh, we've been able to develop three very distinct business plans, each with a dollar tag attached to it. So there's a smaller plan that would probably cost about 10 million, a medium sized plan would be 15 million. And the big one that we want will probably be a 20 million dollar project. So we're in the process of trying to find the funding and the donations to add up to 20 million dollars, which isn't easy, of course, you know, but so, uh, so Fergus, since we talked last as well, the Canadian government has designated March to be Irish Heritage Month. Mm-hmm. And 
do you see that maybe that that um, elevation of the contribution of the Irish heritage, Irish and the, to the heritage of Canada may help in moving the project on and helping generate some funding? Well, certainly. I mean, I think we have we have strong financial support from the city of Montreal, and actually we have just been uh, informed that we're going to receive a fair amount of uh, startup money from the government of Quebec, from the Quebec government, um, in a couple of hundred thousand dollar range, which will be nice to, mm-hmm. you know, hire the uh, accountants and lawyers and architects and all these professionals that we need to uh, to make the project happen. So Quebec City, the Irish government is interested, and we have sent them various information, documentation that they require. So the last piece of the puzzle is the Canadian government, and that's uh, we're trying to get them to uh, pay a little attention to our effort too. And hopefully, as I say, with the um, designation of March as Irish Heritage Month, there's a greater appreciation and awareness at the federal level to the importance of the heritage and the contribution that the Irish have made. And yeah, because certainly at one time we were talking to uh, Parks Canada, actually, and we were talking about Emerald Trail because in reality, yeah, we're talking about Montreal, but of course, as you're really aware, the project, the it started as far as the maritime provinces and people were dying through New Brunswick and into Quebec and then up into Ottawa and Kingston and Cornwall and up into Toronto and into Hamilton. So mm-hmm. it's not, it, from the Canadian perspective, it really is a Canadian story. Mm-hmm. And, and as I say, the big, uh, one big part of it is these people that went to help. It was probably the greatest humanitarian effort ever in Canada when you look at not only Montreal, but Toronto and Ottawa and everywhere else where people went to help and, gave up their lives, gross ill, and other locations like that. So, Fergus, given that we are in, in the month of March, um, Montreal, I'm sure, is going to be buzzing for uh, the period. And there's, I know, the um, parade. It's what is the longest, um, or the oldest, is it, um, parade outside of Ireland or the, that's still going. And, mm-hmm. and then there is the annual dinner. And uh, there's always... Uh, Montreal is always a buzz during the month of March. Oh, yeah, it's been already a little crazy. I personally attended the Queen selection where they picked the Queen for the parade. Mm-hmm. And I already have attended St. Patrick's Ball, which has gone on. It's a, It raises funds, and it's been going on for almost 200 years. The parade itself started in 1824, so next year it will actually be 200 years that the parade's been running. Right. And except for the COVID period, it's uh, been a continuous nonstop parade. Um, then there's all kinds of Irishmen at the air breakfast and uh, the luncheon. <laughs> I mean, yeah, it, it, yeah, there is many, many events, not only in Montreal, but throughout. There's a, a nice parade that started back again in Quebec City and will again happen this year. Once again, they also were slowed up during the uh, COVID thing and couldn't do it. But uh, but again, they're doing the parade in Quebec City, which is really a fun parade because it goes through old Quebec and yep. down these narrow streets. It's really yes. quite interesting. And, and other... Sorry, go on. No, no, just other areas around Montreal, if people know Hudson has a parade and Chattigay has a parade. These are both communities surrounding Montreal. So. 
Yeah, and again, oftentimes when you're outside of Quebec, the connection to all these communities that you've identified tends to be overlooked by other parts of, and I mean even the Irish, the Irish in Ontario, uh, in the, and the Irish down Newfoundland, um, and over in British Columbia, would not necessarily have an appreciation or an awareness of the depth of connection with all the different communities within Quebec. Yeah, it's always kind of amazing because, you know, we've been doing this a long time and I've dealt with a number of ambassadors from Ireland to Canada. And almost every one of them, the first time they show up at an event in Montreal, they're quite astonished that the room is full with 200, 300 people or more and uh, some well-known politicians, often with a French name who happen to have an Irish ancestor and... Uh, yeah, most people are really quite surprised at the depth of the Montreal Irish uh, community. It's strong, it's operating, and it's, uh, you know, it, yeah. I don't think the rest of Canada may be aware of how many Irish actually. It, it's, it is said that about 40% of all Irish, regardless of their language, are, uh, uh, 40% of all Quebecers have Irish heritage. And and I guess the challenge is when you get into Ontario or you get into Quebec, you know, you go around Ottawa and you have a place called Navan and there's um there's Westport, there's Baileyborough, there's Westmead, there's Killarney. So the names of places tell people that the Irish were there. Whereas mm-hmm. in, in Quebec there isn't the same look uh, the names are not necessarily um indicative of the close connection. No, there are some around. My own ancestors arrived in St. Columban. That was in 1825. And, uh, that's a fully, that was a full Irish community, but the spelling has been changed more to a French spelling now, St. Yeah. Columba. Yeah. Um, but there are other, there is other communities around Quebec City and in the townships that are well, Irish. Yeah. Shan- Shannon is there, of course. And Shannon would very much, people would know, well, that's a, an Irish community. Yeah. And, yeah. and there's other, you know, strange things come up. We're doing some work with the, um, with, with, uh, um, uh, what's the name of the place in, in the town? Uh, at any rate, we were dealing with a small community and we found out that it was entirely Irish. I mean, we were so in the, yeah. Yeah. So it, 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 there are a lot of places around in Montreal that have, or in Quebec that have a strong Irish heritage. Yeah, yeah. Um, the other parts of Canada, um, Montreal, sorry, Toronto, Vancouver, particularly, but we're seeing it in Ottawa. We're seeing um, a continued flow, influx of young Irish. Um, is mm-hmm. Montreal and Quebec seeing the Irish who are still arriving? There seem to be, just pre-COVID, there seemed to be a, a number of young Irish that I met in Montreal. Unfortunately, of course, there's a language issue here. So many of them are not comfortable in French and they often stay in Montreal for a short period and moving on to Ottawa or Toronto or somewhere right. where, where English is a, obviously the language. Um, but there are a few others that have taken the time to learn French and they're here. And yeah, so there's certainly a number of probably not as big as Ottawa, Toronto and Vancouver, but yeah. certainly a small expat. Irish, young Irish community of professionals who have come to Montreal. Yeah. 
And of course, Fergus, it's very important, as we know, for um, continuity that people continue to arrive so as that the story can be kept alive and and that yeah. it's kept kept alive both with the descendants but also with new arrivals. Yeah, we were not only with new Irish arrivals, but we were quite pleased that, as I mentioned, I was at St. Patrick's Ball, and we had a lot of young people at the ball, young in, in their 20s. Can't be anybody under 50 is young, so... Um, <laughs> But it's nice to see that it was a very strong contingent of young Irish heritage kids who were interested in the community. And I had one or two of them come up to me and say, listen, we want to be involved in your project. Can we do something? Can we help? Can we somehow be involved? Which we think is like terrific because all of our board, of course, are in the 60 plus range. Yeah, so it's yeah. nice to have some young, young and talent and people who will keep it going, you know, for Indeed. sure. Fergus, we should wrap up. I want to thank you for taking the time. It's been great reconnecting with you. And mm-hmm. um, when anything um, moves along or if there's anything that we should be sharing, don't be shy about reaching out because we're only too delighted to try and spread the word and uh, mm-hmm. spread it across the country. And uh, hope that by the end of March that you're not overly exhausted. Oh, no, I think I will be. It happens every year. But, <laughs> but at any rate, let me wish all your listeners a very happy Irish month in Canada. It's terrific.